Happy Sunday, Punky Peeps! This is Angela Bowen, the host of Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast. And welcome to another episode of Punky Power. Today, I will be covering the episode Season 3, Episode 13, entitled The Matchmaker. This episode aired on November 13th, 1987. Punky sets up Henry with a school librarian while Mrs. Johnson goes on a dating game show thanks to Cherry. The girls, I guess, think, you know, their uh, respective relatives need someone in their life to love. You know, a dating partner. So why not set them up and get them out there? But before I go into this episode, guys, I have been reading up a storm this weekend, and I finished... Uh, two books, well actually three, and I would like to talk about them real quick just to give you some book recommendations. I did show a couple of these on um, the Instagram Punky Power podcast page and the Facebook Punky Power podcast page as well. Now one book I might have mentioned down here uh, a couple weeks ago that I finished yesterday was called The First Rule of Punk. This book is by Celia C. Perez. The first rule of punk is a wry and heartfelt exploration of friendship, finding your place, and learning to rock out like no one's watching. There are no shortcuts to surviving your first day at a new school. You can't fix it with duct tape like you would your Chuck Taylors. On day one, 12-year-old Melu Maria Luisa, if you want to annoy her, inadvertently upsets Posada Middle School's Queen Bee violates the school dress code with her punk rock look and disappoints her college professor mom in the process. Her dad, who now lives a thousand miles away, says things will get better as long as she remembers the first rule of punk. Be yourself. The real Lou loves rock music. Skateboarding, zines, and soirizo hold the cilantro, please. She hates cilantro, guys. She says it tastes like soap. And when she assembles a group of like-minded misfits at school and starts a band, Melu finally begins to feel at home. She'll do anything to preserve this, which includes standing up to an anti-punk school administration to fight for her right to express herself. Black and white illustrations and collage art throughout make the first rule of punk a perfect pick for fans of books like Roller Girl and online magazines like Rookie. Guys, this was a really awesome book. I had a lot of fun reading this. And as you guys know, since the year began, I've been reading a lot of middle grade books. It's almost like I'm finding my younger self in these characters, and it just it feels amazing. I also am liking that I'm starting to read a little more diverse and everything like that. That uh, the character Melu is kind of um, learning more about her Mexican heritage and culture and everything like that. You Go First is the next middle grade book. This book is by Erin Entrada Kelly. And I would have actually finished this on Thursday. It was a four hour long audio book that I got from Audible. 12 year old Charlotte Lockard and 11 year old Ben Boxer are separated by more than a thousand miles. Again with a thousand miles. On the surface, their lives seem vastly different. Charlotte lives near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, while Ben is in the small town of Lannister, Louisiana. 
Charlotte wants to be a geologist and keeps a rock collection in her room. Ben is obsessed with Harry Potter, presidential history, and recycling. But the two have more in common than they think. They're both highly gifted. They're both experiencing family turmoil. Ben's parents are in the middle of getting divorced. Charlotte's dad just suffered a heart attack and he's in the hospital recovering for the majority of the book. So we just get kind of snippets of her interactions with her dad. So we kind of get to know what he's like. Um, she, or he actually was the one that introduced her into playing Scrabble. And in doing this, that's how Ben and Charlotte meet online. They play an online Scrabble game. And then eventually, um, he calls her on the phone. And which is kind of interesting, you know, how it's easier to talk online, but then when you actually talk to another person on the phone, it feels like you don't have anything to say. That seems more like with this generation of kids growing up and stuff like that because they're really into their electronic devices. Instead of actually talking to someone next to you, you'll be more comfortable texting. I grew up well before this era, so I know what it's like to be able... I talked on the phone a lot as a teenager. So, let me get back into this. And they both sit alone at lunch. Over the course of a week, Charlotte and Ben, online friends connected only by a Scrabble game, will intersect in, an, in unexpected ways. As they struggle to navigate the turmoil of middle school, Hugo first reminds us that no matter how hard it is to keep our heads above troubled water, we never struggle alone. The acclaimed author of Blackbird Fly, I have that book, I haven't read it yet, The Land of Forgotten Girls, which is another one I haven't read. And Hello Universe, which is her last newest book that came out. Her newest one is You Go First, which is the one that I'm talking about right now. Before that was Hello Universe. Let's see. This author writes with an authentic, humorous, and irresistible voice. This engaging and character-driven story about growing up and finding your place in the world will appeal to fans of Rebecca Steed. I wonder if I read her books. Rita Williams Gar and Rita Williams Garcia as well. So I really liked this book also. I liked that the characters, even though they're struggling, they're able to find someone else that you know, with their you know, they're struggling Ben's struggling to try to make friends and everything like that, and he ends up finding someone to be his buddy, and the same with, um, Charlotte. So things work out for them. Sorry if that's a spoiler, but that is, it's a cute book. I enjoyed it. One that I had been reading, like, all day yesterday and pretty much all day today to finish. And this book here is going to be a great book to read when it gets to be October. The Peculiar Incident on Shady Street by Lindsay Curry. You know, it's kind of funny that lately, the last few books I've read have been about 12-year-old uh, kids that end up having to move, like, across the country or move to a different place and have to go to a new school and make friends and everything. So. A girl unravels a centuries-old mystery after moving into a haunted house and this deliciously suspenseful mystery. Guys, this book kept me going. I'm like, I want to find out how it ends. 
Tessa Woodward isn't exactly thrilled to move to rainy, cold Chicago, which is where Mei Lu from the first rule of being punk also moves to Chicago. From her home in sunny Florida. But homelessness turns to icy fear when unexplainable things start happening in her new house. Things like flickering lights, mysterious drawings appearing out of nowhere, and a crackly noise she can feel in her bones. When her little brother's doll, he's got her 40-year-old brother Jonah, has got this ventriloquist dummy that looks like, um, what is it, Slappy or something from the Goosebumps, the R.L. Stein books, the the dummy or something like that. Looks just like him. Uh, they, his parents got it at like a flea market or some old antique shop or something for him. And the ventriloquist, the, the doll thing, his name is Reno, which, anyway, um, I just wanted to add that in there. When her little brother's doll starts crying real tears, Tessa realizes that someone or something is trying to communicate with her. A secret that's been shrouded in mystery for more than 100 years. With the help of three new friends, Tessa begins unraveling the mystery of what happened in the house on Shady Street. And more importantly, what it has to do with her. Guys, this is an awesome, awesome read. I had a lot of fun with this book. I loved the characters. I loved... Just everything. It just... I remember I was, I was reading it like... I thought it was like Friday or something when the weather was just dark and kind of gloomy. And I just got that feel like, ooh, this is spooky. And just the atmosphere just felt good for reading a spooky story. But, yeah. I hope you guys... Um, I do have You Go First and The First Rule of Punk. I put that on Instagram. I will also... Put the peculiar incident on Shady Street. I'll pop that on Instagram and the Facebook page, so that way, if you guys you know want the book recommendations, you guys can get them and and read or listen to the books and tell me what you think of them, because I would love to hear. I I'm glad that you know you guys if you're out there that you're reading books and stuff and it's it's great. I just love recommending literature. Alright, how about we dive right into this episode. Now, the episode opens up in the apartment in the living room. And it looks like the girls are getting Henry all set on his date. Making sure his tie is straight and everything. Brandon's actually helping out by, you know, polishing <laughs> Henry's shoes with his tongue. Oh yeah, dog saliva. That's a great polish. But Brandon, he wants to help. So Cherry's kind of adjusting Henry's tie while he's sitting there and... Punky is, you know, standing on a chair, kind of combing Henry's hair. Well, actually, no, I think they're sitting on the couch. That reminds me of when my dad would lay on the couch, and when I was young, I'd always take this comb and, like, dip it in a cup of water and stand behind him and, like, comb his short hair and everything like that. I did the same, same thing, like, with my mom. I don't know what it was about, you know, being a little kid and wanting to brush your parents' hair. It doesn't didn't mean that I wanted to be a cosmetologist or a hairdresser or anything like that. It's just, I don't know, I just kind of liked it. So Punky kind of asks the brand, like, hey, Brandon, you done with uh, Henry's shoe over there? And Brandon grabs it and brings it right over. Like, yep, just finishing up. This episode was actually written by John Hudock. John Hudock, really, he's not done a whole lot. He wrote a few episodes for 
Petrosili, I don't know what that is, a TV movie called Getting Married. He wrote an episode for Fantasy Island. One episode, only one episode of Punky Brewster. Uh, one episode of The Smurfs, two episodes of Sky Commanders, and one episode of Hercules, The Legend Continues. I love Cherry's outfit here. It's all yellow head to toe. And I love how, being it's the 80s, that was the time of the whole popped collar thing. And I love how her headband is also yellow and black as well. Everything just matches. So Cherry compliments how, on uh, Henry on how nice he looks. And Punky's like, yeah, that bow tie makes you look 10 years younger. It's like, Henry always wears bow ties. I don't think I've ever seen him wear an actual, like, tie tie. Um, And the thing is, he's like, I don't understand how you girls, how I let you talk me into this. So basically, they've already got the date set up. He's going to be going on the date as they're getting him all set up. So it's a blind date. He doesn't like the idea, you know, that he's been set up. It just is nerve-wracking. I've never been on a blind date before, but I can imagine that it would be. I mean, unless you don't know the person, yeah, you're not, you don't know what they're like, what they're into. But Punky's going to give them the lowdown. And she said, you know, you're going to love Miss Maytag. She's apparently the girl's school librarian. Well, that's a plus because Henry loves to read. Right there. Boom. Score. So Henry, of course, is like, ugh, a librarian. He's thinking old school marm, elderly, someone his age, librarian. Like, one of those people that got their hair up in a bun. They're really, like, strict, no-nonsense type stuff, type of personality. And he's like, eh. Like, nah, Henry, come on now. You haven't met her. Don't judge. So he's pretty much already girls level with me. Just how old is this Miss Hoochie And Punky's like, her name is Miss Maytag. And I don't know how old she is, but she is younger than you are. So there's a plus right there. I love the look that Henry gives Cherry when Cherry's like, well, of course everyone's younger than you, Mr. Warnema. The look, he just sticks out his lip, his bottom lick, like, you. So I want to play this clip of the girls kind of getting him ready and everything like that. She 
down helpless men? No, photography. Oh, great. An amateur photographer. Please, Henry, just give it a chance. Mikey, the last successful blind date was Adam and Eve. The only reason they had a good time was because of the way they were dressed. <laughs> So the girls kind of spout off, you know, Miss Maytag's good points about her. You know, she likes books. She's a librarian. Of course, Henry, of course, had to go into his whole librarian stereotypes of her being an old maid or something. Um, she also likes boring music, you know, opera, stuff like that. And which is what Henry's into. He likes the opera. And Punky says she's a photographer. Of course, Henry takes this as, like, oh, great, she's an amateur person with a camera who thinks she's a photographer, who's everyone who's got a camera of some sort thinks they're some type of photographer. So, of course, he's going to take offense to, like, <laughs> you're not a photographer. Of course, the doorbell rings, and it's Betty. She's like, I want to get a look at you guys before you got on, on this date. <laughs> I want to play this clip. I love Betty's lines. She can't comes in. She's like, "Where's your little daddy poo, Henry?" <laughs> and he, he he can't. Henry can't even keep the smile on his face either. It's like, eh. I love her quips. I love her quips. Betty, you are golden. I'll be right back. Hi. Where's your little daddy poo, Henry? I should have known you'd come around and gloat. No way. I come to offer my sympathies. Oh, thank you. Not to you. To her. <laughs> Just what I need. Jokes from someone whose last date picked her up on a dinosaur. Oh, yeah. I get lots of offers from guys at the hospital. Sure. But those men are heavily sedated. <laughs> So Henry, of course, uh, makes a joke at uh, Betty's expense. Like, yeah, the last day you had was when the guy picked you up on a dinosaur. Their jokes are always about their age. Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure Betty's got to be maybe in her 50s at the most. And Henry's, of course, in his 60s. So I'd say they probably got maybe eight years on each other. And, uh, Betty's like, you know what? Shows what you know. I get asked out all the time at the hospital. And Henry's like, yeah, well, I'm sure those men are all sedated. Like, they're, they're not in the right mind when they're asking you that. Hey, asking out on a date is still an invitation. And the doorbell rings, and it's Miss Maytag as the girls run up to the door. And Henry is like, okay, Henry, please. Please be polite. I know you don't want to go on this blind date, but seriously, come on. Lose the, lose the, uh, the grumpy poo face. Miss Maytag, this lady is, uh, knock her, knock out. She is very pretty. I love her outfit. It's, um... <laughs> It's nice. Um, it's like a a button up with you know buttons on the uh, on the shoulders. It's kind of a um, 
light brown color, but I love the scarf that she's got around it. It's kind of like a leopard print, and it really goes good. And also, her hair is a nice, like, light brown, so it kind of flows together. It's, it's nice, short, curly brown hair that does not go past her ears. That goes just past her ears. She's really pretty. And you know if the girl's like the librarian, the librarian's got to be freaking awesome as heck. She ain't no old maid. She ain't no no stingy, stingy type librarian. You know the type. So, Miss Maytag looks at Punky and Cherry and says, Hi! She looks up and looks at Henry. And Henry looks back at her. And he is a smitten kitten. You hear that little sound effect, like his whole attitude he had? Gone. Gone. He's in... He is in love with the appearance. Very, very nice. So she walks over to him and she's like, you must be Henry. And he's just smiling like, oh, I must be Henry. Yes. He, he, he's smitten. He does not know what to say. He is just too totally in love. He quickly snaps out of that little daze and then immediately goes into full Mr. Romance. The whole picking up the hand kissing the hand, just speaks a little French, just doing his his Wardamont thing, the way that he likes to pick up the ladies. He is a charmer, let me say, he is a charmer. Guys, I'm going to play this clip, because it's really sweet. Hi, Miss Maytag. Hi, Punky. Hi, Cherry. must be Henry. <laughs> Enchanté, Miss Maytag. Call me Camille. Camille. What a lovely name. <laughs> Thank you. You don't know how anxious I've been to meet you. Just let me get my car keys and I'll take you to lunch. Why don't we go on my hog? Your hog? he tells her pretty much, you know, I'll grab my keys and we'll head out. And she's like, oh, well, why don't we just hop on my hog? And Henry, excuse me, <clears throat> Henry at first, he's a little taken aback. <clears throat> he doesn't know, like, hog. It's almost like his interpretation for a split second, like, he's entranced by her, her beauty. Her, her name is Camille. How beautiful is the, of a name is that? Very fitting, very name, outfit, just her whole look, ever everything. Just the name Camille is just beautiful. Goes great. Um, he just kind of looks at her for a second, like, "What? Whoa! I totally misjudged you." And Punky's like, "Henry, a hog is her motorcycle." And he's like, oh, yes, of course, yes. Oh, how about, yeah, well, how about your hog? I haven't been on a hog in days. 
And, you know, they go off arm in arm, shut the door. As Henry kind of turns back and winks, and it's almost like, don't wait up, girls. <laughs> and after the door closes, you hear it, the squeal of Punky and Cherry. Like, Yay! it worked. Oh, they're so, it's just match made in heaven. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And... Betty's just kind of like, girls, you know, she calls a monkey, so you love monkeys, you guys ready for lunch? And Cherry, of course, classic line, I'm always ready for lunch, or I'm hungry or starving or something. And Betty, of course, and she said it right as, but after I thought them, like, yeah, Cherry, you're always hungry. <laughs> so, now that they got a match made uh, in heaven with Henry, they're like, you know what? Betty could use a little someone special in her life. Let's uh, let's think about that. Let's let's concoct a plan here. Although to be honest, Betty's uh, <laughs> foray into the romance department's gonna be a little bit more involved and kind of kooky. So Miss Maytag, I'm thinking by her age, she's probably gonna be maybe on the back end of 40, so closer to 50, maybe-ish in her early 50s, so she's probably, I honestly say she's got to be at least maybe 10 to 15 years younger than Henry. Because Henry, in the beginning of the show, was 64. It's been two years, so he's like 66 now. Couldn't he be collecting social security? right about now so he wouldn't really have to worry too much i mean he could do the photography thing as a hobby but he'd still be collecting social security so the girls are concocting a little scheme here about because punky tells cherry like you know what i think your grandma needs a guy in her life wouldn't that be nice it'll be interesting if we get a little hint about who betty's husband was that i'd be interested in hearing more about her husband and stuff you know, that would be, you know, that's Cherry's grandfather. You know, they never talk about him. So, um, I'm going to play this clip of the girls kind of coming up, concocting the plan, scheming, if you will. Cherry, wouldn't it be nice if your grandma had a guy in her life again? Are you thinking what I think you're thinking? Yep, we'll find the perfect date for your grandma. After all, we did it for Henry. So in the next scene, they're dragging Betty in. This has got to be the next day because they're all wearing different clothes. And Betty is in her um, hospital garb. As they're dragging her over to the couch, like, sit down. We got a special thing for you. We're going to find you a date. And Betty right away is trying to, like, break free and jump up from the couch. Like, no, you're not. Sweeties, she doesn't have time to really be going on dates. She can accept dates invitations but she is a working machine at this hospital her time is completely wrapped up and working at the hospital when does she have time to date i mean it's a nice thought and everything but so luckily they, <laughs> they pull her back down on the couch and they and punky's like you know what henry resisted at first but now he's a totally different guy and we think the same thing could work for you so, of course, Betty, that has her kind of laughing, the idea, like, Henry's different. Yeah, right. And sure enough, he comes in the door, and he looks like he has, like, gone back in time, like, 30 years. <laughs> well, 
Or, or at least to like his 20s or something because he's got the sunglasses on that miss maytag has got had an influence on this guy he's coming in singing he's got sunglasses on he's singing celebrate good times come on as he's waving around and dancing <laughs> he is in love 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 yeah definitely he is a changed man He's wearing like this, like, uh, leisure suitist shoot. Nah, I can't even talk today. Um, this really cool, like, sports jacket over uh, a black shirt, and it just looks literally like he's gone back to his 20s. Like, he's very youthful. This woman, being she was like 10, 15 years younger than him, is bringing something out in Henry. It had to have been that ride in that motorcycle. It had to have been. I'm going to play this clip of Henry because, guys, this is classic. I love this. I love when George Gaines can just kind of be not grumpy Henry, but crazy, manic, happy-go-lucky Henry. And Henry in love, Henry. I find that hard to believe. You know what? Henry's a changed guy because he's in love, 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 and we can do the same thing for you. And then Henry comes in wearing a different uh, white cream sports jacket over the black shirt, the t-shirt and everything, and then he's singing My Girl by The Temptations. Oh my god, god, I hope she doesn't pick up with him. I don't want to see a sad, sour Henry. And that's when um Cherry pulls out the magazine or tv guide or something and mentions about the dating show it's an ad did they place a personal ad for her because cherry's like oh yeah no one we knew wanted to go out with you well probably because everyone you know is 11 years old <laughs> so mr dwarfman the school crossing guard said that he couldn't wait to meet mrs johnson as punky says like, okay, what about this Mr. Dwarfman? Is he, like, 80 years old? <laughs> well, apparently Mr. Dwarfman's out because he's dead. Because uh, he got hit by a truck. Well, he was not a good crossing guard, that, if that's the case. So she, Betty gets up and she's like, oh, that's a terrible thing. And Cherry's like, yeah, I know, bad timing, right? <laughs> but... So Cherry shows her this magazine that looks like the size of a just an average word search crossword puzzle, but it says dates and mates. Uh, I would not trust anything like that. That is really sketchy. You're going to find some creepos in there. I mean, come on, guys. Even the people at eHarmony, even though they got to go through a rigorous screening, can just lie and you're going to find some 
perverted freakos who are into crazy kinky stuff or molesters or sex offenders or anybody can lie on those things. So I'm going to play this clip as Betty reads off some of the highlighted um, prospects that Cherry and Punky have uh, circled for her. They're not great. <laughs> but don't worry, we bought a copy of Dates and Mates. You won't believe how many great guys advertise in here. We circled a couple good ones. Sophisticated foreign gentleman wants to stay in the United States. Will marry anyone. <laughs> oh, I'm terribly flattered, but I'll pass. You're right. You don't need a mercy marriage. Girls, I don't want a date. I found the love of my life once, and now that Grandpa's gone, the next one will have to find me. <gasps> That's perfect! What's perfect? That you want a guy to find you. Watch this. Well, Derek, it's time for you to choose. Which of our three single Cinderella's will be your dream date come true? Wait a minute. Are you little scamps suggesting that I go on that show? Yeah, it's our best idea. It's also our last idea. <laughs> well, forget it. The contestants on Dream Dates are hard up, undignified, and Derek is cute. A definite babe. If you go on that show, you'll get a babe, too. You think so? Uh-uh. No way. If there's one thing I can't stand is someone making a complaint. such a great mood. How do you like my threads? They're hot. But you forgot to buy socks. Socks are out. And so is your pilot life. Camille thinks my ankles are sexy. <laughs> I think she's right. <laughs> I'm growing a macho stubble. Does it remind you of Miami Vice? No. Miami lights. <laughs> What's in the basket, Henry? A life support system. My lady and I are going on a picnic. <laughs> Maybe January, but I feel a heat wave coming on. That's no heat wave. At your age, you're having hot flashes. Betty, ordinarily I would smite you with my rapier-like wit. But love has mellowed me out. Maybe you too one day will find your perfect person. Maybe not today or tomorrow. Next day or next week or next month or year. I'm not taking that from him. Dream date, here I come. So the first ad that Betty reads, of course, is someone who needs to stay in the country and is desperate enough to just marry anybody. That doesn't work. Have you guys seen that movie, The Proposal, with Sandra Bullock and Ray Reynolds? 
Because she's someone who's, like, from Canada, and her visa expired years ago, and she ends up fake marrying her, or, I don't think they got married. Um, they're just together, and, um, they gotta try to fool his family, and also the feds that are trying to send her back to Canada, they're asking a lot of que- they ask a lot of questions and everything like that. And it's just it's not that easy that the guy is that desperate to stay in the states. It's just mm, I don't know. But then Betty only reads the one thing. You know this is not gonna work for me, okay? And she does bring up Cherry's grandfather. It's like I had one love of my life, and Grandpa's gone. And she says the next person will have to find me. And just, just, I wonder, like, how long ago was it that he had passed? Like, and how long has Cherry been living with Betty? So, when she says the next person will have to find me, that's when Cherry's like, oh, that's a great idea. Here, sit on the couch with us again. And they pull her down, turn the TV on. Guys, this TV remote is practically a brick. It's the size of a brick. It's huge. And they turn it on and it's on this dream date, dream date show. It's like excuse me, a virgin a a version of Love Connection. Because they probably couldn't use that back then. And there's this guy on there and Betty's like oh, that guy's kind of cute. And Punky's like, yeah, he's pretty fine. He's He's a babe. And Betty's like, hmm, I wonder if I could find someone like that. And they're like, yeah, if you go on the show, maybe. And Betty's like, no, I'm not, she's not desperate like that. Just, no. But then, of course, Henry comes back in singing Born to be Wild. He's got a, um, picnic mask with him. And Betty, of course, she's kind of irritated at this point with his cheeriness. It's just like, she, he's singing, she's like, please, stop, Henry, no more. And she's like, oh, what do you got in there? Your life support? And, and um, she said, oh, you also forgot your socks. And Henry is like, no, I'm kind of going for a Miami Vice look. So I kind of thought that, too. I mean, when he said no socks. And then he's wearing, like, that sports jacket. He's kind of got his hair kind of slicked back, too. And wearing the glasses. But I didn't notice that first until he mentions it. But he actually does have stubble kind of growing. So I'm guessing he's trying to go for a Don Johnson look. Henry, Henry, Henry. I, I know you think this girl's a woman's a bee's knees. But don't. You don't have to change your appearance for her. It's just, I don't, Or maybe he's not. Maybe that just her... You know, youthfulness is having that effect on him that's making him feel young and wanting to dress like a younger, hipper person. I don't know. But luckily the girls do convince Betty to do the Dream Dates show. So in the next scene, Punky is running into the living room with a bowl full of chips. Cherry's coming in from outside. She's come down from her apartment, so they're all going to watch together. And Punky calls Henry. Whoa, whoa, what is he, is he wearing, those look like high-waisted jeans. And he's wearing a striped blue button-up shirt with a popped collar. And 
what are those beads around his neck? Gold chains? Gold Mr. T chains. And there's he's got like three sodas. One's in a blue can, one's in a purple can, and one is in a red can. I wonder what flavors they are. My guess would be strawberry, blueberry, and like uh, grape. As Henry sits down the drinks, he starts breaking in to celebrate good times. And the girls are like, please, no more. Stop. Come on. We don't want to hear any more singing. Of course, Brandon pops out through the doggy door with his little snack here of the milk bones. Like, all right, I got my snack. Let's watch. I'm ready, ready, ready. So we're going to watch Betty's humiliation on this show. Oh, boy. Oh, the show is called Dream Date. So it's a local... This is kind of like a reality show a little bit. Kind of like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette and stuff like that. So they all start clapping and Brandon yawns. So is that a I'm tired yawn or is that a I'm getting anxious? Please stop clapping yawn. I don't know. I might have watched a little Love Connection when I was uh, growing up and stuff like that. But now they got things um, like Catfish, and I remember watching Cheaters. I mean, those are totally different shows from this. I never watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. So this guy, the announcer, or the host, his name is Johnny Prince. And he's got a nice face. He's your average, like, Richard Dawson type host. Kind of a cute guy. Um, gets his arm stuck because he's looking through this heart that's in the built into the set, and it's got like two closing doors on it. And he pulls back, but as he's waving to the audience, the doors kind of the the heart kind of close, and he like gets his fingers, his hand stuck in there as he's trying to pull it out. Like he, that wouldn't be good. So this actor who plays John Johnny Prince, David Rupert, I can't pronounce his last name, but he was on four episodes of Three's Company, and he was in some other stuff too. Here, let's see, uh, Joan of Arc, Drew Carey Show, the '70s TV movie. Uh, he just looks familiar. Like I've seen, he was in Full House. Who did he play in that? Making out is hard to do. He was an announcer. I've seen this episode, but I don't know what it's for. Oh, is it for the, um, that dream that Jesse has about him being a has-been? He was an episode of, he, a lot of these he plays like host or something to do with television uh, let's see. Oh, he was in three episodes of Punky Brewster? Really? Okay, so he was in The Matchmaker, which is the one I'm doing now. He's in Radio Days and Wedding... He bells for Brandon, so he's in the series finale. He plays a minister. I'm guessing he's the one that officiates the ceremony. And then he plays Mr. Bowen, so maybe he's like a radio DJ type person. Okay, cool, cool. That's awesome. He was in... I'm trying to see... Oh, he was just in an episode. Because he almost looks like the dad from Small Wonder, but he's not, so... Oops. 
So he introduces the first guest here, and this is... Her name is Aquaria, and she's dressed like... She's an astrologer, he says. Or into astronomy? Hold on. Okay, she's an astrologer, and her name is... Aquaria LaRue. Well, she is an astrologer, so that makes sense. So we got an astrologer. We have a beautician, who's the next person. So they're all career-oriented 40-year-old, 30, 40-year-old women. Shirley Toops. This lady looks familiar. Who is she? So, um, he says that the lady, now these are all dream girls, so we have the first two. Now we have Betty, who he says is a registered nurse. She looks very pretty. I like her outfit. A nice floral print. And she's got kind of a, a flower kind of in the corner, almost like a corsage. And the second lady he had called out is just standing there, like, swaying from back, you know, swiveling her hips and just kind of showing off her chest. It's like, lady, come on, stop. So now he's introducing the dream guys, who's from Arlington Heights, okay. So this guy is a lot of things. This guy, that he, contestant here, uh, dream guy, number one, is a test pilot. And he moonlights as a stunt double for Mr. T. Okay, cool. And then he lists his hobbies. Well, wait a minute. All you listed with these women's, you know, occupations and stuff like that. But then again, these are the guys that these girls are going to be choosing. So this guy's got some really fun hobbies here. Motorcycle racing, mountain climbing, and hang gliding. So this guy is clearly one of those that is really adventurous. He likes to be outdoor, like an outdoorsy type that does a lot of like outdoorsy type stuff. So this doesn't sound like the kind of guy that would be for Betty. I mean, you know, she might not be into that kind of stuff. So this guy's probably got to be in his late 20s. Chuck McKinley. All right. So this guy, Chuck McKinley, comes out, and he's going to have a, a heavier set, dude. He's, but he, he's into the hang gliding and the motorcycle, or the, um, uh, all that stuff. <laughs> this guy's into mountain climbing and stuff like that, and... Punky, of course, when she sees this guy, it's like, she's like, that's not Chuck McKinley, that's someone else. So I want to play the girl's reaction to seeing this guy. A test pilot who moonlights as a stunt double for Mr. T. His hobbies are motorcycle racing, mountain climbing, and hang gliding. Let's have a big dream date welcome for our dream dude, Chuck McKinley. Isn't he? 
We have three lovely ladies just waiting to answer your every question. But first, let's hear them each say hello. Number one. Number one. That's you, honey. Oh, sorry, I lost count. <laughs> hello, Chuck. And number two, let's hear you say hello to Chuck. Hey, baby. <laughs> Choose me, honey. These other two bimbos look like six miles of bad road. <laughs> oh, the sparks are starting to fly already. <laughs> and number three, please say hello. Hello, what's up, Chuck? Uh, I don't mean of Chuck. I mean, <laughs> Chuck, what's up? <laughs> Okie dokie, dude. Let the game begin. So to get all that... <laughs> wow. <laughs> He sounds pretty cool. Well, I guess, so this guy kind of lied about what his hobbies were. Like, I've never been in a plane before, but I work for the 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 space department. Or <laughs> So, yeah, this host is, like, either really unprepared. Like, he didn't know that this guy was going to be there. And he's just unsure of himself. Like, um, like, oh, so, like, he didn't know that this guy, about this guy's size or something. And he's like, so you're a, a, a test pilot? He's like, oh, no, no, I've never flown in my life. He tests gravity stress machines for the astronauts. And then he mentions about how he's on TV. And he's like, you probably see my face. He takes his glasses off. And then he kind of, like, takes the palms of his hands and kind of pushes his cheeks back a little and just kind of wiggles his mouth, like, showing what it's like probably being in the, you know the chair that they stra are strapped into and they go around and around and around and all that stuff? Yeah, that. So he turns, the only thing separating this guy Chuck from the contestants is a wall. And the host, Johnny, is going like back and forth, like talking with Chuck and then kind of turning over to and kind of uh, peeking around the wall and saying, oh, girls, you got a great guy here. And then he adds a thumbs up. It's like, you are so scamming these women. This middle woman, number two, is, I'm not going to say it because this is a um, rated PG podcast. <laughs> um, she's not nice. I'll tell you that right now. This woman's got an ego. She is all about her looks. Number two, she's got a yellow flower in her hair. And she's like, oh, he's so my type. And Betty's kind of, you know, Betty's not me. She's like, oh, really? How, how do you know? And this woman snottedly looks at Betty and like, he's breathing, isn't he? It's like, so basically you're saying you're desperate. Come on. So they got three contestants. Betty is the best out of all of them, I feel, out of these three women. The first one is off on planet Zuron, not even with what's going, aware of what's going on. The second one looks like she'll take anybody who's, she's probably a streetwalker. So Johnny, the host, tells Chuck, like, hey, we got three lovely ladies over here. They're waiting to hear, you know, the answer to your question, or answer your questions. And first, before we get into that, we're going to, you know, every, each of them are going to say hello. Like, All right, lady number one, dream girl number one, say hello. You don't hear a dang thing. And then he kind of, like, goes around the corner. It's like, hey, snapping his fingers. Like, hey, hey, wait, what are you doing? 
I asked you to say hello. Say hello. She said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that we were blah, blah, blah. I was like off in my head somewhere. Like, hey, where did he screen some of these applicants? Betty is the only normal one out of, out of these three women. Oh, my gosh. When number two says hello, she's like, hey, baby. Like, and she's like, choose me. And then she calls number one and Betty bimbos that look like they're, like, roadkill on the side of the road. It's like, excuse me? Betty's about ready to knock your dang block off, sister. And Betty's got a hand on her... On her hip, like, who do you think you are, woman? So Betty, of course, is a little nervous. She's like, hey, what's up, Chuck? And then she's like, oh, I didn't mean that. I mean, Chuck, what's up? Because she says up, Chuck, as in, like, throw up. Like, no, nah. she's, she's a little nervous, a little nervous. No big deal, no big deal. So the first question he asked is, we are driving down the highway of love. What street sign best describes how you feel? Ah, uh, that's a weird question. Okay. Yeah, it's all pertaining. These questions are all love questions, so. So, <laughs> it's supposed to be how you feel. And Betty goes first, and she says, slow down, curves ahead. So, then she's pro you know, probably thinking of actual signs. When she realizes what she said, she kind of puts her hand to her mouth like she made a mistake. Like, as in... You know, Betty think, oh, oh, that probably means giving, you know, to him thinking that, oh, slow down, I'm curvy or something like that, as in her appearance. But luckily, Betty just kind of, you know, shrugs it off like it's no big deal. All right, let's hear number two's response. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Should I even repeat her response? That is really nasty. She says slippery when wet. Guys, this is a PG podcast. Woman, that is a this is a children's television show. We don't need that type of language and uh, we don't need that image in our minds. <laughs> but Chuck apparently loves her response cuz like, yeah, I like that. I'm like, whoa, buddy boy. Show y'all roll. And number 1's response. Wow, this is uh <laughs> Uh, okay. She's like, welcome to Cleveland. Uh, wow. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, well, I'll say her response is better than, uh, number two. Is that for sure? That's for sure. And Chuck just kind of is a little, he's confused and he just kind of side-eyes the host Johnny's like uh, I'll, I'll uh, figure that one out later <laughs> Yikes. so the next question Chuck asks is I like beautiful women how would you describe yourself first of all that is very shallow minded and very very uh, that's a, that would be considered offensive in today's world I mean yeah you can like attractive people and stuff but you basically are saying oh I only like people that are attractive no n others need apply but he goes with Betty. Let's see what her response is. I want to play this clip because when Betty gives her answer, number two, of course, has to totally snowball Betty's answer and give, excuse me, some snide comment. I want to punch that woman in the dang mouth. Do you want to play all the, you know, the responses to these questions? Because these, que these answers are kind of funny. Plus, they do them better than I can describe, so. <laughs> okay, girls. We are driving down the highway of love. 
What road sign best describes how you feel? Uh, number three? Uh, slow down. Curves ahead. <laughs> <laughs> number two? Slippery when wet. <laughs> <laughs> number one? Welcome to Cleveland. <laughs> Gee, I'll figure that out later. Number three, I like beautiful women. How would you describe yourself? Well, I'd like to think of myself as attractive. You can think all you want. Just don't go near a mirror. <laughs> now, that's not nice. Just because we're going after the same guy doesn't mean we can't be friends. Shut up, turkey lips. Yeah, uh, ladies, ladies, simmer down. Simmer down. Chuck, just leap in here with a question whenever you're ready. Uh, number one, I like to curl up in front of the fireplace with a good book of poetry. Can you make me a love poem? Uh-huh. Roses are red, violets are blue. If you choose me, maybe we could go bowling or something. Hey, blank verse. Okay. Number two, if number three was an hors d'oeuvre, what would she be? Chopped liver. <laughs> number three, if number two was an hors d'oeuvre, what would she be? A pig in a blanket. since I was like <laughs> since I was 14 and I forgot just how funny uh, he's asked just asking questions that's basically pitting one contestant against the other one it's like basically contestant number three tell me what you think of contestant number two and then contestant number two tell me what you think of contestant number three Betty has done her best to just kind of, you know, have it just, you know, just roll off her. Like, no big deal. It's just, this lady is clearly a major beep. And I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to play that game. I'm here to do my best. I'm being friendly. But you push my buttons. You get aggressive with the insults. Fists are gonna fly, lady. Fists are gonna fly. So, Betty, of course, describes herself as, you know, I'd, I'd like to think of myself as attractive. Number two, immediately grasps onto that comment and wields a freaking machete at Betty. Like, you can think all you want, just don't look in a mirror. It's like, excuse me? What is your deal, woman? And Betty's just trying to just like, hey, you know what? That's not cool. That's not nice. Don't, you know, we're here... You know, just having a good time in a game show and meeting a nice person. Why do you gotta make this personal? I mean, I've heard of cutthroat contestants and stuff like that, but this lady is clearly out for blood. Yeah, but he's like, just because we're going after the same guy doesn't mean we can't be friends. Like, what is your problem? Hey, Betty, I'm all for you. You know, definitely be nice and everything. She's being nice. 
But clearly, this is not that's not in the cards for this lady. She sees you clearly as nothing more than competition, as an obstacle in her way to get what she wants. This one flat out tells Betty, shut up, turkey lips. It's like, oh, it is on now, lady. It is on. As Betty's like, Betty's had enough. Like, you know what? Johnny, of, uh, the host, of course, is hearing a little bit of tension, so he kind of comes over to the wall divider and just, like, hey, ladies, ladies, easy, easy, settle down, settle down, just a game here. So basically, Johnny's like, all right, Chuck, just, just let's continue with the game, just read the next question, all right? So the next question, of course, which, um, comes up with poetry, like, hey, I like to sit by the fire, read a good book of poetry, can you come up with a poem for me? Oh boy, you guys heard uh, number one's responsive was bad. He says, can you make me a love poem? So she starts out with this, you know, this simple roses are red, violets are blue. If you choose me, let's go bowling or something. Oh, um, you can just cross her off that list. She's not thinking with a clear head. There's something not right there. <laughs> So he immediately goes to number two, who is the, uh, Miss Krabby Pants, and he's like, hey, number two, if number three were an hors d'oeuvre or an entree, what would she be? And number two is like, chopped liver. And then, of course, <laughs> he asks Betty the same question about number two. Betty's like, well, she'd be a pig in a blanket. And this just erupts. Number two erupts and stands up. Rips that flower off Betty's. That little corsage off Betty's sh uh, shoulder. And Betty <laughs> goes in for the kill. As she rips what is a wig off number two's head. And of course, uh, Johnny the host has to come in and try to break it up. <laughs> And number two stands up. She's like, a pig? And Betty rips the wig off of number two and says, well, if the, <laughs> if the oink fits, if the oink fits. <laughs> oh my goodness. And the fist, number two puts, puts her dukes up, her fist. She's ready to fight Betty. And Betty's like, bring it, bring it. <laughs> I'm ready. And Johnny has to like, Push them both away. Like, he's like, <laughs> he's trying to, like, take control of the situation. <laughs> Isn't this fun, everybody? We're having a great time here. Well, you never know. <laughs> These game shows, things get heated. It turns into a Jerry Springer event real quickly. Let's hope no one throws a chair. So, Johnny picks the wig up off the floor and tries to put it on number two's head. <laughs> Very badly, by the way. And then he's like, like to the uh person in the sound booth he's like oh didn't i didn't i hear the buzzer and then you hear the vape sound so johnny says it's time for chuck to choose all right guys let's hear who he's gonna pick <laughs> well well the uh time is up chuck um time for you to choose will it be dream girl number one <laughs> number two or number three big three Johnson. 
to pick at home Cherry and Punky are like don't pick number three and Henry's like pick number three Chuck picks number three he picks Betty and Johnny the host goes over to Betty like hey let's meet uh, let's meet your dream guy here and uh, she takes one look at Chuck and she's like no way uh uh she starts going in the running <laughs> trying to run off the stage but Johnny grabs her like come on Come on, pushing her, apparently pushing her into Chuck's arms. <laughs> oh, and in the next scene, we get a really disheveled looking cherry. She's wearing overalls and a long sleeve sh- button up shirt, and she's got cookies or something. So, what happened? Why is she so disheveled? So Punky kind of asks, like, hey, where's Chuck taking your mom on their dream date? <laughs> and Cherry's like, eh, Grandma says she doesn't care, as long as it's not out in public. So even though things kind of suck for Betty, uh, Cherry, uh, Betty, bleh, I cannot talk. Punky's like, you know what, uh, eh, it sucks for that. But you know what, hey, at least things worked out great for Henry. I'll uh, pop for a popsicle. We'll get you a popsicle. We'll cheer you up. And they go into the kitchen, the girls do, and Henry comes in wearing a leather biker jacket. And he's still got the glasses. His hair is, like, windblown, like he's been on the back of a motorcycle, which you think he'd be happy. He's not singing a happy tune. What's wrong, Henry? Like, you liked uh, Miss Maytag. What happened? So, Miss uh, Maytag comes in. She's got her own, uh, she's got a bedazzled motorcycle jacket. It's really fly. It's really nice. I like it. And she's like, Henry, is anything wrong? Are you alright? And he turns to her and he's like, I didn't realize your hog could go that fast. And she tells him, ah, you're just angry because I jumped that hedge. With a motorcycle? She jumped a hedge with a motorcycle? I'd be spooked too. I wouldn't want to get it back on a motorcycle after that. Uh, Miss Maytag, Henry's 66 years old. He can't handle that stuff. And you got him dressing like Don Johnson and singing My Girl and Born to be Wild and Celebrate. And he's just, he's not, uh, I think you're kind of sucking the life out of him. She calls him Hank and, like, tells him to loosen up. Girl, uh, woman, lady, ma'am, um, I think you might need someone a little more your speed. That might not be Henry. But I want to play this clip between them. It's really cute. I don't think we're going to see her again. I think they're going to end it. Cherry, where's Chuck taking your grandma for their dream day? She says she doesn't really care. As long as it's not out in public. (laughs) Well, at least we did a good job with Henry. Come on. I'll pop for a popsicle. Are you sure you're all right? Fine. I just didn't know your hug could go that fast. You're just angry because I jumped that hedge. You could have warned me. 
Loosen up, Hank. Oh, I've told you a hundred times, I'm a Henry, not a Hank. Sorry. I'm sorry. We shouldn't quarrel on the eve of my departure. I'll call you as soon as I get back from Kenya. Really have to go all the way to Africa? Oh, duty calls. I can't pass up that photo assignment for Wildebeest Weekly. I don't know when you'll be back. You know Wildebeests, they're so shy. It might take months to get that centerfold. Love ya. Kenya? Wildebeest? I had to think of something to get her out of my life. What happened? I thought you were crazy about her. Yes, I thought so too at first. Then I realized I was just plain crazy. You tried to change me into something I'm not. Well, no more. Now on, it's back to cardigan sweaters and bow ties. <sighs> My ankles are freezing. Sorry things didn't work out. And the way I behaved. And the money I spent on these clothes. <laughs> My one consolation that you embarrass Betty even more than me. Right now, she's stuck with a date with Shamu, the killer nerd. Henry now for over three seasons. What is the thing he hates to be called? Hank. He doesn't like it. He reminds her, like, please, I told you before, my name is Henry. Call me that. And it's just like, basically, I just thought like he was changing for her. More it's like 
she was changing him into that's how she wanted to see him as this Miami Vice looking dude, this hipster, and it's just he just said no, enough's enough. So he makes up a story to get rid of her, saying he's got to go film a wildebeest in South Africa and or Africa, Kenya, wherever, and um, it's going to take months, years. So shame he couldn't have just been honest, like, hey, this isn't working out. I enjoyed the time we spent together, but it's just, I need to focus. I have a daughter to raise. I need to be spending time with my daughter. And I hope that you find somebody who matches. You know, I mean, it started out interesting. I mean, she was into all the things, you know, books. I mean, she was a librarian. She was into opera, supposedly, and stuff like that. And it's just like... She had this whole other lifestyle. These girls would never have been privy to anyway. It's like, what a person's appear, how they appear, like how they are. That's basically how they are on the job and everything like that. They're not going to divulge into what their interests are and, and everything like that. And Betty actually had a great time on her. He, you know, Henry's like, well, at least Betty's having a crap time with her. her guy that she won that date with and turns out no she's having a banging time with him they come in <clears throat> sorry they come in and they're just doing the tango with the rose and everything like that and they even made a t time for another date the guy the guy's awesome and you know after he leaves you know they make a date for the next night or something and she's like you know i haven't felt like this in so long and everything and then she tells you know cherry it's like don't worry about the chores because you know cherry's like oh, i got all those chores to do and betty's like don't worry about the chores you're not gonna make a hot fudge sunday and i will tell you all about my date because it was super awesome and they leave and cherry or er, punky's feeling down you know it's like she set this whole thing up with henry and she's feeling like it's maybe she's you know it's my blah 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 but um she's like you know what i've got a long long list of available uh women speaking of the crossing guard's wife who's now a widow that like just happened punky give that woman time to breathe and have a funeral for her husband you don't know anything about this woman just because they're not married doesn't mean they would have anything in common. Let Henry make his own dates if he wants to. It's nice you want to help out, but yeah. So that is the episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I had a lot of... The dating segment on that dating show pretty much shook up the course of the episode. And um, so if I had to give for the rating, the Brandon Talwig rating, I'd say I'd give it a... I'd give it a four out of five. I like the girls getting Henry all dressed up for the date. I would have loved to have seen them kind of convincing him to go on the date. Would have been cool. Um, also, Betty going on the game show and everything. I like that whole segment. Her not taking crap from that lady, number two. Oh. Um, and I liked... Uh, Chuck, he's an awesome guy at the end. That was really, really cool that, uh, you know, Betty actually is having a good time. And Henry, I didn't like that he couldn't, that Henry couldn't tell her the truth. 
that Miss Maytag person. Um, as far as for Punky's principles, I'm just going to say, kids, I'm sure you want to set up your single parents on dates and stuff, but it takes more than interests to be able to bring two people together. It also takes compatibility. I mean, interests are a start. That's great, but it takes a little more than that. I mean, but let's talk about this other episode coming this week. Season 3, episode 14, My Fair Punky, which aired on November 16th, 1987. Punky tries to fit in at a high society banquet. So Henry's back to his photographer way. He's kind of doing his own thing with taking the pictures. Who's manning the Warnemont Studios? He's got to have an employee there that, or something. I don't know. But I think that's going to be a cute episode. I really, I really do. Um, let's give a wonderful, warm welcome to some new and regular Punky Power listeners, Punky Peep listeners. All right, we have Ashburn, Virginia, Washington, D.C., London, United Kingdom, Landisville, Pennsylvania, Racine, Wisconsin, R-A-C-I-N-E, Sunderland, Massachusetts, New York, New York, Rowan Heights, California, Queenstown, Maryland, Worcester, Massachusetts, Inglewood, California, France, Temecula, California, Mountain View, California, and Santa Clara, California. All right, everyone have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I will be back later this week with my fair punky. I hope you guys, um, you guys, uh, <laughs> take an interest in the, the books I recommended. That'd be cool. If you do, just, uh, hit me up on Twitter, Punky Power PB Podcast, or the Instagram, Punky Power Podcast, or Punky Power Podcast on Facebook. And I would love to connect with you. You can also email me at punkypowerpbpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Have a great week. I'll see you later on. Bye-bye.